Caden Proctor is no longer an Iowa Hawkeye. The five-star offensive lineman has decommitted for Iowa, and he has made his verbal commitment to Alabama. He will sign tomorrow morning. An edited version of today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent Condon back with you once again here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Your team every day here on Locked On Iowa. So the news is official now as we got to piece things together. And it is Caden Proctor officially is no longer an Iowa Hawkeye commit. He has verbally committed now to Alabama. He will officially sign on the dotted line tomorrow. And everything is over as it pertains to that. Now this is nothing short of a devastating blow to Iowa football. It's not a death now. It's not changing the program and the trajectory and things like that. But you look at the future and the way things were set up. Recruiting had gone incredibly well. Of course, the transfer portal to this point has been very good with the commitments of Cade McNamara and Eric All. You're feeling good about that. We know they need more wide receivers. We know we need a competent offensive coordinator. We know we need these things still to happen in order to have this offseason at least pointed in a positive direction. But that aside, one of the pieces that we've been talking about now for months and months and the hope for change and hope for the future of an Iowa offense that can at least become competent once again was knowing that you were going to have your tackle position in very good hands. Mason Richmond played well, really well at times during his sophomore campaign after starting as a freshman a year ago, coming in this season, being the starter and really one of the few bright spots of this offensive line this season was a play of Mason Richmond. That's not to say he was great. He wasn't. But he was, of a bad group, the best of that bad group this season. And then you couple him going into 2023 with Caden Proctor, who had six foot seven, 360 pounds, good feet, an ability to move, a road grader on the offensive line with Caleb Johnson in the backfield, Cade McNamara quarterback. You were feeling good that this was going to be heading in a positive direction. But Proctor was a huge part of that. And now he's no longer part of the plans. He is not going to be there. So not only does that impact Iowa, all right, you lose a starter in the offensive line. Again, not something that's going to be a program killer. They're not going to shut it down. They're not tearing down Kinnick Stadium. We don't want to go too hyperbolic here. But Iowa's got work to do now. And Iowa has to figure out what they're going to do at the offensive tackle position. They have to figure out what they're going to do in the transfer portal. Because right now, it is scary. Iowa has Mason Richmond. Good. And then who else to tackle? Who else do you feel good about? Jack Plum? We saw him. Not good enough. He comes back for another year. Okay. A depth piece? Maybe. But that's about it. Nick DeYoung? Come on. It's not good enough. And now Iowa has to figure out on the fly what they're going to do. They need to go into the portal now, and they have to made, find a ready-made offensive tackle that can come in day one and can be a starter for them. Now, who's in the portal for the most part? Sure, there's talented guys, but they're going to cost money. It's not going to be free. That, that's a part. And Iowa Swarm, the collective, is going to have to go out, and they're going to have to put that money up. So that's one component of it. But secondly... You have to guy that you believe can come in and not only just be a guy that's good enough to be a tackle in the Big Ten and be a starter on that offensive line on a team that has a real possibility of being the prohibitive favorite in the Big Ten West going into next season. But they got to be able to pick up whatever you're trying to do. If it's a change in the offensive philosophy, if it's 
tweaks, if it's changes, or even if it is just the Kirk Ferentz system and everything that we've seen in the past, well, it's still a pretty complicated system. So you have that component. Running the zone blocking scheme, one of the biggest parts is understanding your assignments, yes, but also working in continuity with the rest of that offensive line. So you're looking at new pieces there. Is it going to be a guy that's going to be ready to go for spring? Again, damaged goods a lot of times is what you're finding. Guys coming off injury, very well could be the case there. What are they going to be ready to do come spring practice? You're picking up the playbook. You're doing all these different things. This is a huge blow. Now, Caden Proctor is going to Alabama, and they got other talented guys there. I mean, they, they have other players that are going to be in right away and are going to be incredibly good and incredibly talented. In fact, I think I saw it was the number, number five and number seven ranked tackles in the country going into this class are also ready to go and have already committed to Alabama on top of it. Look, we got to let him go. And for Caden, good for him. If it's more money, so be it. If their collective was able to pay more to Caden Proctor, absolutely got no problem with that. If his ability to play for national championships, got no problem with that. Or if it was looking at this offense, six of ineptitude, Ryan Ferentz and said, you know what? I'm not going to go play for that garbage. I'm going to go and play for the 130th country. I'm not going to go out and play for this system because I don't believe it is good enough. Alabama puts dudes in the pros, and they certainly do it at the offensive line at a level just as good as Iowa. Now, we can argue merits. We can go back and forth. But ultimately, they're not going to miss him. Like, the NFL is not going to miss him because he's at Alabama. Will it take a little longer to get on the field? Could be the case. A chance to develop, reshape that body get 100%, get a year of tape. That's all it takes. That's all it takes at Alabama to get out there and maybe along the way win a national championship or two. It, it's not a bad cutoff. Let's not make this all about Caden Proctor. Let's make this about Iowa. And Iowa's inability to be able to sell him, not just on the money aspect. And I know that's the way that a lot of people want to go. And they just want to point out the money. Like you can't have it both ways. The reason that Caden McNamara committed to Iowa, it's because of money. Be honest, it's because the collective was able to put together a collection of money that got him to commit right away to Iowa. That was happening well before he was officially in the transfer portal, as we saw how quickly that came together. Same thing for Eric Hall. You can't have it both ways. Collective is good, it's bad. No, it is what it is. This is the environment. And if Kirk Ferentz can't live in this environment, first of all, I have my own questions. I love Kirk Ferentz. I respect him as a coach and what he's done with this Iowa program and what his 24 years have been and some of the best sport moments of my life as a sports fan have come because of Kirk Ferentz and what he has done. But what we continue to see with this Iowa program and his inability to see that he has a son running his offense that, first of all, didn't have a resume to get that job. Secondly, is unfireable to Kirk Ferentz because it is his son. Nepotism is a terrible thing, and there is a reason that the University of Iowa has laws and rules and regulations in place to stay away from nepotism because of what we're dealing with right now. And as teams across the country and across the Big Ten landscape are making moves and bringing in coordinators, the team that they're going to see in Kentucky coming up in the bowl game that nobody cares about in 11 days, as that is happening and they're making moves, and Iowa's sitting here in their old school of thinking and not doing a thing. In fact, if Iowa's circumstances were the exact same thing, except it was not Brian Ferentz, it was Brian Jones, it was Brian Johnson, it was Brian Condon, whatever it is, that manned this ship 
and had six years and took an offense that already had its own set of issues and made it worse over six years? You think you'd be coaching the bowl game? I don't. That's why nepotism is a bad thing. And that's why Iowa is in a very difficult spot right now. Back to Caden Proctor and what this means for Iowa. They got to get back in the portal. Sean Bach over at 24-7 Sports. He's got an article out about a D2 prospect that Iowa is getting back involved with, but he's already committed to Virginia. All right. How quickly are you going to be able to make that flip? How quickly can you get him on campus? A dead period is coming. You have all these things that are happening right now. All together, Iowa has put themselves in a difficult spot. It's on Iowa. I know a lot of people want to blame Caden Proctor. Did he put Iowa in a bad spot? Yes, he did. There's no doubt, but that's what the money's for. I said this the other day. That's why you're paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's why you're paid millions of dollars if you're Kirk Ferentz, because these things aren't easy. That's what the money's for. Figure it out. You don't want to fire coaches in season, so be it. But you're going to have to live with the consequences. And the consequences right now is Iowa is in trouble. I was in trouble at the offensive tackle position. I was in trouble in a year that they, again, should have been, Conference champions this year, if they were just competent, competent on the offense, they weren't able to do it. It's a problem. We'll take our final time out, come back with more here on Locked On Hawk. Guys, talking a little hoops, Chris Murray. This episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by NHTSA. Did you know driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're high, you're wrong. Friends can tell. Coworkers can tell. Even your parents, everyone can tell. So what do you think the law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. The bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. Driving high is driving influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Drake Conan with you one final time here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your each and every day. So, voice is struggling a little bit, feeling the cold coming on. Apologies as we bat our way through. Disappointing news on the Caden Proctor front. I was got to figure it out and got to do it in a hurry because guess what? Second semester starts here in just a few weeks. Want to have guys on campus? It is a team that is not built right now with offensive tackles and a team that wants to run the football with Caleb Johnson. Oh boy, that's just a little bit of a trouble. Let's talk some Iowa basketball here to wrap things up. Iowa, their game tomorrow against Eastern Illinois, that has been shifted to an afternoon game. If you're just catching this, that'll be a 2.30 kickoff, uh, kickoff, tip-off against Eastern Illinois, uh, a game that has been moved up. The women's game will also be played at noon. So we'll have an action podcast coming up for you as that one will be on BTN+. Plus. We'll watch that one and 
get that out to you as quickly as we can tomorrow afternoon. So we got some news today. Fran McCaffrey talked to the assembled media over in Iowa City. A couple of nuggets that came out. The most important, though, is about Chris Murray and Chris Murray, his availability going forward. So we speculated about, you know, it's a plantar fasciitis issue. He's dealing with that and something that is more than likely going to be lingering. You talk to people that have had this kind of injury. You look at athletes that have had this injury in the past, and you certainly see that that is something that is impactful, and it takes a long time to get back from. It's not something where even a few weeks of rest is going to make it great. Now, can it make it better? Absolutely. Rest, getting off your feet. You saw him in the walking boot in the Wisconsin game. Minimum, that is something that is going to help. But it does be completely healed, and that's what we don't know. Is this something where where every couple of weeks it flares up a little bit more. There's going to be an extra game that he's going to have to sit out at different points during the course of the season. Honestly, that's a very likely scenario that you're going to see. Whenever he comes back, be it against Nebraska, be it against Penn State, or back home when they play Indiana, whenever it turns out to be, that doesn't mean this thing is completely fixed. This doesn't mean that all of a sudden Chris Murray is going to go out there and is going to be the guy that we saw before the Duke game. Scoring 20 points a game, grabbing 10 rebounds, hitting three-pointers, getting to the rim, doing those things. It doesn't mean that automatically he just, A, becomes the player that he was, but secondly, that it doesn't flare up again, and he has to take another week off. A very real possibility. The Big Ten this year is not great. I know Purdue's number one in the country. I don't see it being a sustainable model, and certainly I know when my brackets come out, at least as I look at it right now, I'm not going to have Purdue as a Final Four team. Zach Eady, he's a beast. He's a behemoth. But even to get to a Final Four, you got to win four consecutive games, obviously, to get there. One's against the 16 seed if you're a one seed. Gets the 8-9. Gets a 4, 5, 12, or 13. In the Sweet 16, whoever comes out of the bottom side of the bracket, still Purdue doing this with basically outside of Edie, a completely new lineup, a completely new roster. Peter, yes, he does a great job, but also dig a little deeper into those wins. Beating Gonzaga, this is not the same Zags team that we've certainly seen over the last five years. Duke. We saw Duke, right? Iowa didn't play that well. They had chances to get back in that game. Will Duke be good at the end of the season? You can argue that, and we can get there. But ultimately, I want to see more out of Purdue. And again, you're playing with two freshman guards, two guys that were not even ranked in the top 75 nationally. Sustainability. Indiana, you saw them get blown out by Kansas. It was a road game, but still, they lost by 20-some points in that game. They're okay. But when you're talking about national landscape, it's all right. Ohio State let a lead slip away against North Carolina, and on and on and on. This league is deep, but it isn't top-heavy. And because of that, very well the difference between Iowa, say, going 12-8 and in conference this year, and already off to an 0-1 start, and being 9-11, and it's not that deep. One bad week or one injury again to Chris Murray and him having to sit out even longer, that's going to be a problem. That is a concerning component to this Iowa basketball team. The good news is, though, Fran says he is going to be back, and he's going to be back relatively soon. So we have that component to be excited about, certainly with it, and uh, we will talk about that a whole lot more. He says real possibility he'll be back for the Nebraska game. So here's the way that I look at it, and I don't know. I'm not a doctor, although I went to college for a long time. I'm not a doctor. And look at it this way. Your first Big Ten game back after this game against Eastern Illinois tomorrow afternoon, on the 29th, Nebraska's not good. If they're not the worst team in the conference, they're battling with Minnesota in the bottom part. You would hope. I know it's a road game. 
I know that it's going to be filled up because that's what they do. And that's what they do in Lincoln. And they fill it up. And it doesn't matter if it's volleyball or football or basketball. They fill that place up. It's going to be a tough environment. If you can't win that game, though, minus Chris Murray, we might be having a different conversation. If you sneak by, and I know it's a tough if, and it's a huge ask for a group to go in there with a lot of new faces and try to win a road game in the Big Ten. Nebraska, they're not good. They're okay at times. Shows you again the depth of this league. I mean, they throttled Creighton, who was a top 10 team preseason. Now they haven't lived up to the billing at that point, but... And then Penn State. See, Penn State, I know a lot of people are trying to throw them in the mix with the Minnesotas and the Nebraskas of the Big Ten this year. I don't see it. This Penn State team, they are deep. They are talented. They are old. In fact, the oldest team in terms of age in all of college basketball. That's what I don't think you can afford. If it's close, I'd be pushing more for Murray coming back in that one. But again, you're playing the great unknown. And then after that, it's Indiana. And that, that front line that the Hoosiers have, Trace Jackson Davis and company. We know Philip Bracha. I mean, he is the only component inside at this point in time. It's it's a tough spot to be right now. But we know Iowa opens as a 30 and a half point favorite against Eastern Illinois. Saw offshore that number has come out. A big favorite. You love those first half overs. 147 the opening total, too. All over the over in that one. Now, this Eastern Illinois team, we've seen bad teams. We've seen these bye games and some of the worst of college basketball come through Carver Hawkeye Arena throughout the years. This team is brutal. Uh, they they might be the worst of the worst. That's how bad Eastern Illinois is this year. I will show up. They will win for efficiency numbers as it pertains to the net rating, which now the NCAA uses as opposed to the old RPI. You hope that they're just able to go out there, absolutely dominate, and get the victory, and they will. That's how bad this Eastern Illinois team. Iowa could play poorly again. Keep getting Peyton Sanford going. Keep that confidence rising. They're going to need him the rest of the way. Let's get Tony Perkins going a little bit after struggling a bit on Saturday night. We'll be back with you tomorrow afternoon after the game, after Iowa easily dispatches Eastern Illinois. And it will be tomorrow signing day. Though Caden Proctor will not be a part of it on the football front, there are plenty of prospects to talk about, and we will do that as well. Busy week continues here on Locked On Hawkeyes as we lead into, of course, Christmas holiday. Hope everybody is out there getting ready for it, enjoying it. I got Christmas shopping to do. In fact, right now, got to go take the kids over, see a little Santa Claus. We'll be doing that, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tough news today with Caden Proctor, something we knew was coming over the last couple of days still. Hawkeye fans, I get it. It stings. Hawkeye coaches now get to figure it out. It's on you at this point in time. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Locked On Hawkeyes. Go Hawks. The depth chart is out for the Music City Bowl. That's right, folks. They're actually going to play this thing. We'll break things down and what we see at the top spot at the quarterback position. Some news on the basketball front today. Movement for the game being played tomorrow against Eastern Illinois. We'll talk about that. And an update on the return possibility of Chris Murray coming back for the Hawkeyes. And it is winter weather palooza. All happening here today on Locked on Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. 
And thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts. And you can also find us on YouTube. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button. Five-star ratings on the podcast helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today, a big day if you're into depth charts, and I am. Now, I understand the caveat that we have to put in there, right? Every single time when we're talking about depth charts in Iowa football, it's a different conversation. This is not anything that you have to absolutely lock in. It is just a starting point, but at minimum, it's some kind of conversation piece leading into this bowl game. The Music City Bowl, look, it's a rematch. After playing Kentucky a year ago in the Citrus Bowl, you have that component of it. It's all the tried and true tropes that you go through. Hey, a rematch against Mark Snoops. You got, of course, the former Hawkeye now going up against his alma mater. You have that conversation piece that was a fun storyline last year. It's not a fun storyline the second time. You have that component of it. It's a Kentucky team that is built very similarly to Iowa. Not a whole lot offensively. Then on top of it, they have a bunch of opt-outs. Levis, their quarterback, he's not going to be playing in this game. Rodriguez, their fine running back, he's not going to be there either. As we see the opt-outs on the other side for Iowa, the guys that have also left. So you have that component. Now, Kentucky, they went out and actually made a change. That's the difference between the way that Mark Stoops operates and Kirk Ferentz operates as he understands in today's day and age that if you're going to make a move in your coaching staff. You have to do it now. And the best coaches right now out there, they're being plucked. They're being groomed. They're being talked to and wined and dined and trying to get them on your campus to help turn around whatever woes that you had. And Kentucky, they had their own set of woes. They, they really did this year. This was not a very good offensive team. Statistically, they were down towards the bottom of college football this season. In fact, if you uh, look at the numbers for the Wildcats this year. They finished the year in total offense, 107. What does that mean? Well, you fire your coordinator, unless you're in Iowa City. And by the way, we don't see little Billy Stoops out there running the offense. They actually had a guy that did the work, got there because of the acumen that he had built, and then became an offensive coordinator. And then when he wasn't good at it, he was fired. That's how it works. Everywhere except Iowa City, because you have Brian Ferentz running the offense, and Kirk doesn't make moves during the season, and we're waiting till December 31st for this godforsaken bowl game to be played, and then potentially moves will be made at that point in time. You're already behind the eight ball for so many reasons, and you're making it that much more difficult. Conversation for another day. Let's talk about this depth chart, and really the most intriguing thing at the top was going to be who is going to be at least listed as the starter at the quarterback position. We know Spencer Petrus, he is injured. He is not going to be available for this game. And more than likely, possibly, hopefully, his final game in a Hawkeye uniform. Remember, he does have another season of eligibility because of the COVID year of 2020, and he could return. If him and the coaching staff wanted that, another conversation for another day. And, of course, Alex Padilla, his backup, the guy that we got to see against Nebraska a couple of times this year, put in some bad situations, he has departed and he has entered the transfer portal. So you have two players that have scholarships at the quarterback position that are available to play, Joey Labus and Carson May. So it is Labus that is listed as the starter. He's the guy at the top spot, so that's who you'll have at that component. He'll be the guy that more than likely will get the start. Now, they got plenty of practices in front of them. Could things change? We'll see. In fact, we're going to hear from Kirk tomorrow. His signing day is tomorrow. And we will hear a little bit more uh, from him on that. So that will be coming your way tomorrow. We'll have more reaction. Proctor, that will be a big conversation piece, of course. 
and a lot more coming up on that front. So that's the top of the depth chart. Now, another thing that jumped off to me is Deontay Vines. He was another guy out of that wide receiver group that people thought was a potential, could enter the transfer portal. He stuck around, and Lisa's sticking around through the bowl game. Now, will that change? Still to be determined. Will that change after spring practice? Again, go back to Charlie Jones, what we saw. Timing was not good for Iowa football. After spring practice, and a little bit later on, a couple weeks afterwards, before he finally entered the transfer portal, and Iowa was very behind. They were not able to go out there and hit the transfer portal at the level that they should have at the wide receiver position. So Deontay Vines is there. Great to see him as a starter. So you got that a part of it. A couple other notes here. Uh, Sam Laporta is listed as a starter. Of course, had that injury late in the year. Was not available in the game against Nebraska. How different that game could have been with him out there. Uh, what could have been? Well, there's been plenty of that uh, this football season. But him and Lachey listed as the uh, tandem at the tight end position. And then some moving parts at the uh, offensive line position. It is Jennings Dunker who battled injury himself this year. Really saw some good things, I thought, at times at Dunker. Really inconsistent this year. But you can see he's got a chance. He's a big guy, too. Now, certainly for an Iowa offensive lineman, already six foot five, 316 pounds is what he's listed at as a redshirt freshman. That's a guy you feel like maybe has the upside you're looking for at a guard spot that, frankly, has not been good in a long time for Iowa. They've had some tackles. Of course, they had Linderbaum for four years. That was all well and good. Those guards have really, really struggled over really the last five or six years. You go back to the offensive line in 2019. You had two NFL tackles, right? Tristan Wirfs on one side, Alaric Jackson on the other. In the middle, you had Linderbaum, but the guards were bad that season, and it showed up in a big-time way. Got to get that figured out. A uh, couple other things in there. Of course, Caleb Johnson is now listed as your starter at the running back position. LaShawn Williams behind him with uh, Gavin Williams now in the transfer portal. So uh, that's what you have there. Over on the defensive side, a couple of news and notes from the depth chart released. Again, not reading too much into it, but hey, we're looking for content. Let's be honest, right? We're we're looking for something to talk about with Iowa football here, and we have it. Uh, your starter's defensive line, no real changes up front on the defensive front. Where the changes do come, though, is at the uh, cash position. Now, Sebastian, Sebastian Castro, he is listed as a starter at cash, but he's also listed as a starter at strong safety. A lot of people believed what you were going to see here is that Quinn Schulte maybe would shift over or you'd see Xavier Wampa. Not the case. Now, Xavier Wampa is on the depth chart, though he is listed as the backup at the free safety position behind Quinn Schulte. Is that concerning? I don't think so. Are we going to see Xavier Wampa out there playing defense? I would hope so. Again, this is an exhibition game. This is a game that in the grand scheme of things means absolutely nothing. You have to get him out there. You have to give him an opportunity. There is no doubt in my mind the right thing to do is sink or swim at this point in time. Go out there, figure it out, get him on the field. It is a necessity for this Iowa team to look to the future, look to your young guys, get him out there. Riley Moss, starter at one side, TJ Hall uh, listed behind him. Cooper DeGene back on the depth chart after that injury with Jamison Hines behind him. So that's what we have at the depth chart. Hey, we're looking. We're trying to create some buzz, right? Try to get for a bowl game that, yes, doesn't mean a whole lot. We got more football conversation. The latest on Caden Proctor. We will get into that a day before signing day. And also we'll talk some basketball. Chris Murray, when is he going to return? Fran talked about that a little bit here today. That's all coming up on Locked on Hawkeyes. Today's episode of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager 
for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Very simple. Just add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. It helps spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 2023, right around the corner. Want to get that right person in an open position? Check out LinkedIn Jobs. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 